Hello and welcome to Business Line's special podcast series on COP26, the global climate conference that will begin from tomorrow in the Scottish city of Glasgow. I'm your host M Ramesh. The next round of global climate talks is all set to begin on Sunday, the 31st October. at glasgow scotland this is cop 26 cop 26 or the 26th conference of parties to the united nations framework convention on climate change unfccc the world has indeed come a long way but in the wrong direction since the first cop which was held in berlin in 1995 Global warming threatens the very existence of several species and promises to do incalculable harm to mankind in terms of floods, droughts, heat waves, forest fires, loss of livelihood due to extinction or migration of terrestrial and aquatic species, rising sea levels which is both due to expansion of water due to absorption of heat and due to the melting of polar ice and so on and so forth. Things are already pretty bad. and no matter what we do from now on they are still going to remain bad however scientists have determined that mankind can manage or just about cope up with the deleterious effects of climate change if the increase in average global temperature could be limited to 2 degrees celsius by the year 2100 over the global average temperature that existed in the pre-industrialized days which is broadly the mid to end of 19th century that 2 degree celsius is the target but the world is also hoping for a more ambitious global warming limiting target of 1.5 degree celsius these targets suggested by the scientific community was uh, formally accepted by all countries in the famous paris agreement of 2015 under the paris agreement 195 countries gave their voluntary commitments for climate actions these commitments are called nationally determined contributions or ndcs various reports since the paris agreement have indicated that even if all the countries of the world meet all the commitments or their ndcs the planet would still be hotter than 2 degrees celsius not a good thing at all Some reports such as the recent production gap report of the United Nations Environment Program estimate that by 2100 the earth would be hotter by 2.7 degrees against the target of 2 degrees. India on its part has given three commitments as its NDCs. One, it will get the emission intensity of its GDP lower by 33 to 35% by the year 2030 compared with what it was in 2005 to 40% of india's installed electricity generation capacity will be non fossil fuel based and three india will create additional forests plant more trees plantations and so on so as to suck up 2 to 3 billion tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere By and large it is believed that India is well on the way to meeting its commitments but uh, the country is being criticized also for keeping its commitments low and not offering to do more 
in the coming years. This is broadly the backdrop against which the Glasgow COP or the COP26 is being held under the presidency of the UK. Now, what are the major issues before the COP26? What is likely to happen? Let's take a closer look. When delegates of uh, something like 195 countries meet, there is bound to be a lot of aggressive, sometimes even acrimonious discussions, a lot of table thumping and finger pointing. Many issues will be discussed, such as which words to use in an upcoming agreement and so on. But if you cut through all the clutter, you will find that there are three major issues. First, there is going to be a call for all the countries to do more, come up with more promises for climate action in the coming years. Governments will be under pressure to give commitments on what they will do between now and 2030 and then between 2030 and 2050. Governments will be under pressure to announce their own net zero dates or the year from when their economies would spew no more carbon dioxide than they can absorb back or offset by other measures. Mostly the developed countries will be asking this of the developing countries because climate action is done cheaper in the developing world. India, for example, will be under pressure to reduce or eliminate its coal consumption. The developing countries are unlikely to agree to bind themselves into stiffer commitments, especially in the absence of provision of funding from the developed countries. Which brings us to the second major issue of COP26, which is that of funding. Now, around the time the Paris Agreement happened, the developed countries had promised, though not as a part of the agreement itself, to mobilize, mobilize, not grant, to mobilize annually $100 billion for climate mitigation projects in the developing countries. $100 billion every year between 2020 and 2025. They have fallen short of the promise even if you go by a very liberal definition of what climate finance is. On Monday, the developed countries said that they would be able to mobilize $100 billion a year only from 2023, and it remains to be seen whether even that will happen. So the developing countries will be asking of the developed countries for promises to mobilize more money, more funding. It is hard to see developed countries doing much in this area. The third major issue before COP26 is the completion of the exercise of framing of rules for operationalizing the Paris Agreement. There is one item pending action under framing of rules, which is for making rules for carbon markets or trading in carbon offsets or carbon credits. Article 6 of the Paris Agreement speaks of a market mechanism for transfer of funds from the developed world to the developing world. This means that if an Indian company puts up, say, a solar plant, it should be able to earn some carbon offsets, which offsets could be bought by a government of a developed country to meet its own commitments. In the Paris Agreement, these carbon offsets go by the name Internationally Traded Mitigation Outcomes or ITMOs. There are two major stumbling blocks in the framing of rules for carbon markets. First is, what to do with the old carbon credits, those that were issued in the previous years under the so-called clean developed mechanism that was envisaged under the Kyoto Protocol. Many companies, including several in India, 
are sitting on piles of carbon credits. The developed countries and some less developed countries are calling for extinguishing of these old carbon credits on the grounds that including them will allow many countries to meet their commitments by simply buying these old carbon credits without doing further climate mitigation projects. On the other hand, countries like India, which are sitting on piles of carbon credits, want to be allowed to sell old carbon credits in the market. This again seems to be an intractable issue. The other issue in carbon markets is avoidance of double counting. Now, what is double counting? Let us illustrate this by an example. Suppose a solar company in India puts up a solar power plant and earns some carbon credits. And suppose Germany buys the carbon credits from the Indian company to meet its own, that is Germany's own, commitments. And if the Indian government also counts the same solar plant as part of its commitment to put up more non-fossil fuel power plants, that is double counting. The same solar plant cannot extinguish the liability of both Germany and India. Avoiding of double counting is another ticklish issue and cannot be solved easily. Now, given the difficult, intractable nature of the issues, it is difficult to see the Glasgow meeting coming up with any meaningful solution. But in the meantime, the globe continues to get hotter and hotter. India is one of the countries more vulnerable to climate change. In the north, the melting of the Himalayan glaciers pose a threat of floods during rainy season and drought in the rest of the year, threatening agriculture and livelihood. In peninsular India, the monsoons are likely to be erratic, floods in some places, droughts and heat waves in others. Stay tuned for more podcasts. You may subscribe to our Spotify channel, BL Context. Follow us on Google Podcasts and on our website, www.thehindubusinessline.com.